It's time for the Noble Capital Radio Hour with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area and beyond. Featuring the Vice President of Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jess Hamill, and Financial Advisor, Jonathan Berkland. Here's your host, Walter Storholt. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. You can find us online by going to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Jess and Jonathan, I wanted to talk a little bit today about traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. It seems that I think a lot of people don't have a clear picture of whether they should contribute to one or the other or maybe even both. And so I wanted to kind of discuss how we can determine what's the best fit for you listening to the show today. So first of all, can you guys give us kind of that that 10,000-foot view, explain the difference between Roth and traditional? Yeah, sure. It's it's actually really straightforward. A traditional IRA, you contribute money to it, and it is, you know, the term is pre-tax. But basically, at the end of the year, you claim it on your tax return as a contribution, so you don't pay tax on that amount. And now that account, assuming it grows, grows tax-deferred. So the money that was put into it has not been taxed, the growth has not been taxed, and then at the time that you start to take money out, it is just, it's income. So no matter what you pull out, it just becomes income, it gets lumped in with the rest of your income, and you get taxed on it at whatever rate you're in at that point. A Roth is basically the opposite of that. So you get paid, something's left over, you put it in the Roth. It's not something that you can deduct or not pay tax on at that point. That money's already been taxed, and now all the growth is forever tax-free. Not tax-deferred, but tax-free. Yes, growth and distributions that you take from that uh, basis and growth. So, so they're also they're not they're not subject to RMDs, required minimum distributions, because there's nothing to tax. And favorite way of accumulating for the future is is tax free. Now the question is always which one should I contribute to, and the question is answered based on the circumstances that you're in. So usually it's both. Um, I like to get a good blend of tax deferred and tax free. It helps you in the short term, sometimes, on your taxable income, and then it also helps us balance out your income later on so that we're not popping into the next tax bracket every time we give you an increase in income due to inflation or needs. Yep, it's really what well, can you stomach to pay taxes on today? And some people may not be able to contribute to a Roth, right? There's there's a threshold. It's a little bit higher if you're married versus if you're single, but there comes a point where the IRS essentially phases you out. There so. is, and that's kind of it's kind of silly. I mean, the same guys that are writing these laws also make probably the amount of money that would right. raise them out of it. So, yeah. of course, they come up with the back door. Yep. Um, so you can contribute to an IRA, to a traditional, and then immediately convert to a Roth. Yep. It doesn't matter how much money Pay you Pay your make. taxes. Yep. Pay your taxes. So yep. it's it's the exact same thing, just one extra step. I don't even know why they they put the limits on it anymore. I mean, it's anybody with a, a little bit of knowledge can just work right around it. Yeah, just have to work a little bit harder. That's, yep, the, that's the back door Roth, is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. It, what is reality? I mean, is reality that more people are contributing to traditional versus Roths? Are the Roths being underutilized in your mind? I believe so. I mean, everybody, everybody's stuck in this tax-deferred mindset. Um, it's, it helps me today. It's less tax right. I've got to pay today, so I get to put it somewhere else, and then it grows tax-deferred. All you're doing is kicking the can down the road. And to me, and you've heard me talk about risk before, there's various things that we consider when we're looking at risk for investments. One is what is the risk that I'm not going to get the return that I anticipate? The other one is, what is the risk that I'm going to lose my principal? But for me, I think the tax risk is the greatest one. What is the risk that 20 years from now or 10 years from now, when it's time for me to start utilizing this tax-deferred income, that we have a change in administrations, and now the tax rates are so much higher that I would have been better off paying the tax now than later. 
Yep. And it's, it's definitely just a here's what we've always done sort of thing as far as contributing to a traditional, I believe. You know, 401k operates very similarly, and that's something people often have happen automatically off their paychecks. And historically, those have been tax-deferred rather than you paying the tax up front. Nowadays, they're coming out with Roth 401ks, and that becomes an option. But I think traditionally speaking, people think of the traditional IRA very similarly as the 401k. So a traditional IRA makes a lot of sense. Get the tax break up front, put the dollars in, it's tax deferred, down the road we go. And they kind of don't don't give the consideration to the Roth just because it kind of hurts to pay those taxes up front, right? But yeah. uh, it can hurt a little bit more if you're paying, to, to Jess's point, a higher rate down the road, and maybe in a rate that you're not, we don't have today that's going to go up uh, higher than we expect to uh, due to you know changes in administration. So And not only necessarily potentially a higher rate, I mean, I... I I would venture to say we are probably in the lowest tax brackets that we're likely to see in our lifetime. Yep. So they've got nowhere to go but up. But the sad part about it is, you know, you'll hear me say this one example, time after time, I had a younger client come in, him and his wife are both about 50, and they had between the two of them almost $3 million in their 401ks. And they had like $30,000 in the bank. And that's it. Yeah. No, yeah. no you know, rental properties, no uh, brokerage accounts, and they're so proud of themselves. Like, look, we got $3 million in our 401k. So that's fantastic. Every penny that you spend for the rest of your life is going to be taxable. Bottom yep. line. Yep. And we can try to help you convert some of that, but that's going to be a slow process, right? <laughs> exactly. Over to the Roth, yeah. Because right. we're not going to have you paying taxes at the highest bracket to do those conversions. So that's something we could talk about, too, is, is you know, how do I convert to mm-hmm. a Roth from a traditional, right? And, and when does that make sense to do that versus maybe not do that? Yeah. I had a client that, that it hasn't been that long ago, about a year ago. He had probably a little over a million in his traditional, and he had just retired. And his CPA actually told him, just bite the bullet and convert it all right now. Do it all. Yeah. Do it all in a Roth, and then you're good from now on. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> 70% of that's going to be taxed at 37%. Right, like, right. Come on, guys, use your head here. Yeah, that's that's not a great uh, advice from a CPA. I mean, I, that's that's something else. But, uh, yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a decision that you kind of make on an annual basis looking at your income for the year. As you get towards the end of the year, you know, come October maybe, kind of looking at what did I make this year? What do I have sitting in traditional that, I, that could be converted over to Roth? I mean, just what can I stomach from a tax standpoint? What makes sense? How can I stay on those lower tax brackets and move some some of those dollars over? And you don't have to do all of it in one account. You could pick, you know, one dollar or a hundred thousand or a million dollars. So pick the amount that keeps you in the tax brackets that you're comfortable with and, and, and move it over and certainly talk through that with your advisor and CPA. But that's the time to do it and, and do it smart. Yeah, and then the next level of planning on that is to save enough back in non-qualified money so that the first year that you're retired, or maybe even the first two or three years that you're retired, you can spin that down and start doing the conversions at you know, 10, 12% right, um, interest, right. or, uh, tax brackets there. So you can, you can live off of your own money that's not taxable, and while you're doing that, because you have no taxable income coming in, all of your Roth conversions are making up the taxable income. I mean, you can go up to seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 and still be in the lower tax brackets very easily. Yeah, yeah. If a Roth conversion is something that you're thinking about doing or, or not quite sure about how to execute, or you're wondering how does that fit into my overall retirement plan, uh, do take the opportunity to come out and check us out at one of our retirement dinners that we have coming up. We talk about Roth conversions, income planning, and a whole lot more. And it's a great opportunity to have a good meal in a comfortable setting and eventually take us up on the opportunity to come into our office and make an appointment where we can talk about uh, your Roth conversion and your overall income plan in detail. So take that opportunity come out and see us and let us help you out with your Roth conversions. 
All you have to do to get in touch and to reserve your spot at an upcoming dinner event is go to ncwealth.com. Again, go to ncwealth.com to see the upcoming list of events in the area, and you can reserve your spot right from your smartphone or computer, ncwealth.com, your place to go online. Or you can call or text and ask for a spot to be reserved for you at an upcoming event as well, 512-492-3800. If you want more details, call or text that number. 512-492-3800. 512-492-3800. Jess and Jonathan hold lots of events here with Noble Capital Wealth Management throughout the Austin area, teaching folks just like you about retirement planning, about financial planning, and making sure that you're well prepared for your financial future. And if you want to take advantage of coming to an upcoming event, you can attend one of these free dinner events by calling 512-492-3800. Again, that's 512 492 3800. Call or text that number or go online once again to ncwealth.com. You're listening to the Nova Capital Radio Hour. Fishing is an art, and any fisherman worth his salt knows the proper tools to land a whopper. You wouldn't take a cane pole to catch a bass, and unless you're just looking for a tranquil day on the boat, you probably wouldn't use shrimp for bait on the lake. The same can be said of your retirement. There are all sorts of financial products out there, and it's important to know which ones are the right fit for you. A random jumble of investments won't do you much good in retirement. Work with an advisor who knows how to fish, who sees the art within. A well-crafted financial plan will go a long way toward making a successful retirement. Make sure you're putting the right tools in your portfolio. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. If you ever miss a show, don't worry. You can always catch up later with the Noble Capital Radio Hour podcast. Find it on your favorite podcasting apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Just look for the Noble Capital Radio Hour podcast or go online to ncwealth.com. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt with you alongside Jonathan Berklin and Jess Hamill of Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. They have an office at Steck and Mopac across from Luby's. You can find them online by going to ncwealth.com. Find out about upcoming events in the area that you can come to, attend a dinner event. Uh, ncwealth.com is where you can get all that information and register online. Or call or text your questions. 512-492-3800 is the number. That's 492-3800. I want to talk on today's show about the three money models. It's interesting because almost everything that you can do with your money from a saving and investing standpoint falls simply I say simple, but it falls simply into one of three different models. And we want to spend some time just kind of uh, educating you and exploring some of the pros and cons of each of these models. So the uh, 30,000 foot view here, there's the banking model, the Wall Street model, and the insurance model or, or worlds. You'll hear this described as the worlds of money, the banking world, the Wall Street world, and the insurance world. Guys, let's take them one by one. Let's start with some of the pros and also some of the cons of being in the banking model from a saving and investing standpoint. So I think overall, money in the bank, for the most part, is fairly safe. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about losing your money safely. 
we're talking about inflation being ahead of the interest rate that you get in your savings account. But right. when you take that out of the equation, we're talking about risk. You know, I look at two layers of risk usually in that scenario. One, if I put some money somewhere and I'm supposed to get a return, what is the risk that I will or will not get the return? But more importantly, what's the risk that I'm not going to get my principal back in the first place? And for the most part, money in the bank is you know widely accepted as being very, very low risk as far as getting your principal back. Right. A, that's the phrase, right? Money in the bank, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You know, there's a sticker that's on the door of every bank you ever walked into. Your deposits are federally insured by the FDIC for up to $250,000. But that is a little bit misleading. We tend to try to live in a common sense world, and unfortunately, government bureaucracies don't typically follow common sense. So most people read that sign, and they assume if I have $300,000 in this bank and the bank goes under, I'm going to get $250,000. And if I have $200,000 in this bank and the bank goes under, I'm going to get $200,000. And they don't really think it through any further than that. They don't realize the FDIC has 10 plus years to pay you off. They don't realize that a lot of time people are settling for 40 or 50 cents on the dollar. And what that up to 250 means is that's the most you're going to get. doesn't right. mean you're automatically <laughs> going to get everything up to $250,000. Yeah. Um, now, that being said, you know, people always use Bank of America as a, as a bank that people use as an example. And they're talking about banks. Well, if Bank of America failed tomorrow, what would happen? Well, if Bank of America collapsed tomorrow, we've probably got some pretty significant bigger issues going on that, to worry about than just, you know, my checking account over at Bank of America. But when you're comparing those three worlds um, from a from a purist standpoint on safety, the bank you know doesn't always come out on top when it comes to what is the the chance that I'm going to not lose my principal. And most people don't really realize that until they get a little bit of education on what the FDIC really does. Right, right. Yeah, I would say that probably has a few eyebrows raised just kind of bringing up those points. But it, it at least does seem until you just clouded the waters there for me, Jess. I was going to say <laughs> the banking models seem pretty simple and easy to understand, but now I see that there's more there's more layers to it there. There is, you know, that's yeah. it's, uh, one of the things that I talk about in most of my second appointments. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm obviously prepping towards an answer that I want to hear. I'll ask people, you know, if you have three places to keep your money, the bank or the uh, the brokerage house or the insurance company, where's the safest place knowing that you'll get your principal back? And everybody always defaults to the bank because of the FDIC. So that's the beginning of a conversation that we have in this office quite often. So you're not saying the bank's going to go out of, uh, watch out, banks are going out of uh, no, no, business no, no, tomorrow, no. but just, you know, disabusing the notion that, uh, you know, there's you're going to get 100% of your money back 100% of the time. There are some scenarios that could cause trouble. Exactly. And okay. like I said, that, that question is loaded towards, you know, the ultimate conversation I'm having is about the safety of insurance companies because people don't typically think of an insurance company as a place to park money or save money or, you know, they're thinking of it from an insurance standpoint. So when I phrase the question, where is it going to be the safest between these three, everybody usually defaults to the bank. And by the end of the conversation, I've got them at least looking at it a little bit differently and thinking more openly about the safety of, of you know, the insurance companies, the biggest, most conservative and oldest investment companies on the planet. Well, let's uh, let's table. Let's put a pin in the insurance one. Let's do it. All right. We'll come, we'll come right back to it. All right. So banking model, we've got, uh, you know, n no loss of principal, typically. Uh, simple and easy to understand for the most part with, you know, I put in X amount of dollars. I get 1% return or whatever on my savings account. This is what I'm going to get out of the out of the backside. So we understand some of those prawns. And then the cons, of course, you mentioned the losing money safely, not keeping up with inflation. So then we have the Wall Street model or the Wall Street world come along. Do some of the pros there make up for what the banking model lacks? I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, risk tolerance, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's the one place that we literally sign something before we hand our money over that says, I understand I could 
completely lose everything and, and I'm okay with that going into it. Right, right. So as long as you're okay with that going into it, then it's certainly a place where you can utilize it to earn some gains and take those off the table to a greater extent than you're going to find in a savings account. So with the right risk tolerance, um, certainly it's, it's a great place to, to park some money, but it's also a place you could lose a lot of money. Certainly if you had a, a nice uh, portfolio there in, in 2008, I'm sure you, you took a nice hit on that portfolio. So we've certainly seen the ups and downs of that and it has its place in, in retirement and retirement planning. And uh, it's generally not the place we go to for safe and secure income. <laughs> and, and like everything else, it's all relative, right? So right. are we talking about, is this where I'm going to put all my money? Right. Or is it some part of my money that's going to go over here and something's going to go in the bank and something's going to go in exactly. insurance? So if, it's, if the question is, I'm going to put all my money in one spot, is uh, Wall Street the best place? Probably not. Nah, not there. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and not all of these pros and cons that we discuss here would have to be financial either. Some of them strike at those emotions that we always seem to circle back to talking about here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And that would be the stress that's involved in the Wall Street model. That causes a lot of problems for folks. Yeah, I mean, some people enjoy getting up and logging on and immediately the second the market opens, you know, looking at their stock portfolio all day, every day, back and forth, back and forth. You know, that's fun for a while especially when the market's going up. Sure, sure. Uh, but after a while, especially if the market's going down, it, start, it starts becoming stressful. I mean, it's something that you, it, it almost becomes a habit like smoking or, or, you know, something that you're used to doing once per hour throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's not, that's not a life that I'm interested right, in, in, right. in pursuing on a daily basis. And we've, we've had clients come in in that situation and they're like, I just, I just want to be rid of this, you know, <laughs> essentially this weight on my shoulders. I want to hand it off to somebody else, you know, and, but I want to keep the small amount to the side that I can play with. Right. So that's kind of the compromise, you know, let, let somebody else take that stress off you, manage it for you, but maybe you have a small little play account and you can, you can win or lose and it's not going to change the game for you yeah perfect it's like you know let's say you put too much money into motorcycle parts and your wife <laughs> gets upset about it so take some amount out put it in the market and say okay any, any gain i get off of this can go towards motorcycle parts and right. if i and if i don't then i don't buy any motorcycle parts and then you've got nothing to complain about and we're still safe and secure on there the other side so there, there's one one use for it right there the difference in going to vegas with the rent money versus with just some extra spare money in your Correct. pocket right? exactly. yeah. uh, changes your experience in vegas i would imagine quite a bit there's a third model we alluded to it already it's the insurance model let's talk about the pros and cons there well, that's, I mean, everybody, anybody around here that knows me knows that the insurance model is uh, my favorite of all of them for various reasons. One, the insurance companies, most of them have been around for 100 plus years. The types of investments that they're doing are very, very long term. They are, you know, they have two things that we don't have, hundreds of billions of dollars in pretty much unlimited time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these guys are investing in high grade, long term corporate bonds that are 30 plus years. So the money that's coming out of the insurance company today was, you know, invested back in the 80s. And the stuff, the old guys that are deciding where to put it right now, they're going to be dead before that money comes back out. So it's a, it's kind of like a big ship riding over the waves in the ocean instead of being on a, on a little boat. Um, but aside from that, it's the safety factor. You know, the hundred percent of all deposits re being required to be in reserve. Um, the three levels of reinsurance, the the state fund that backs that up, that that ironically actually is the up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars per account. To me, that's just a much safer, more stable, less stressful place to uh, to count on not having to lose your principal. Yep, and that's certainly where we start in retirement planning is, is putting some money over over in that allocation, right, to, to kind of build up the foundation in addition to your Social Security taxes, taxes, Social Security uh, pension. Uh, that would be a little better than taxes, right? Social Security pension, what else do you have there to build up that, that safe foundation? Well, the insurance world gives us a lot of different options for that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's something I talk to my clients about. If you uh, – Let's say you want to buy a new truck, so you call up the Ford dealer and you tell them, hey, I don't, I don't have time to goof around. I want to set up an appointment and come meet with a salesman. I'm going to get this truck. So they say, all right, come on in at noon and meet with Bill. So you get there a little bit early and you ask for Bill. And they say, well, he's at, he's at lunch. 
And right about noon, you see a guy pull up in a brand new Chevy and get out, walk inside, and he comes out and says, "Hi, my name's Bill. I'm here to sell you a Ford. It's the best truck on the planet." Right? So, <laughs> if if Ford's the best truck on the planet, why is he getting out of Chevy? Yeah. Um, and if somebody in the financial industry is talking to you about insurance products and the strength of that, and they happen to have the majority of their retirement also in insurance products, and their parents have them in insurance products, and their family's got them in insurance products, that that's, tends to speak volumes, in my opinion. Interesting. So how do you guys use these three models in your planning process? When you help folks kind of put together that financial plan, you just, you're going to one model more than the others? Is it a mix of all three that you're achieving? Where do you, why do you lean on certain models here? Uh, you know, we, we typically lean on all three of them. Yep. Um, just in different proportions based on the size of the portfolio, the age of the client, and what they're trying to achieve in the end. But, I mean, for the most part, 95% of the plans put together is going to be spread across all three of those. Right, right. And I would say, you know, in terms of cash on hand, that's going to go in the bank most of the time. So that that's really probably the smallest allocation between the two um, is just go in there, you know, cash cash on hand, cash in the bank to have, and then we want the rest of that money working at a little bit higher rate than you're going to find in a savings account, ideally. Um, and it's just a matter of, to what extent, what's our risk tolerance, and we kind of bridge the, the other two worlds um, accordingly. So you've, you've heard us talk about bridging the money worlds, um, you know, basically the three worlds, the brokerage house, the bank, and the insurance company. Um, there are a lot of pros and cons to all of them. None of them are an, an uh, all or nothing. It's all a matter of balance and fitting it to your portfolio. So we speak a whole lot about this at our, our retirement seminars. We would love to have you guys come out and sit down. I think we're calling it a dinner discussion these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, we'll take you to Fleming's or Trulux or a really nice restaurant, get you a really nice meal. You can sit and listen to us for 45 minutes or an hour or so, and we can give you a very detailed overview of what it is that we can do for you. And for that, we'll invite you in to sit down and, and come talk to us. So come on out. If you want to come to an upcoming event, here's the way to do it. Find the list of events online at ncwealth.com. Again, that's ncwealth.com. Dot com, and you can sign up and register right there on the website from your smartphone or computer, ncwealth.com. If you would prefer to call or text your request to come to an upcoming event, you can do that as well. 512-492-3800 is the number to call or text. Come out, have dinner, and learn a little bit with some of your peers here in the Austin area to register and reserve your seat. 512-492-3800 is the number to call or text or go online to ncwealth. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you in the Austin area. You can find the team online by going to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Guys, I wanted to chat for a couple of minutes about how we can maybe help our women listeners better prepare for their financial futures and kind of talk about that relationship and that dynamic between men and women, between husband and wife and, and spouses as they plan for their retirement future. I'm just kind of curious, as you guys have met with so many clients over the years, what level of engagement do you find that most women have with the retirement planning process in the household? And have you seen it change over time? Where does, where's the current status of kind of those responsibilities? Yeah, man, you got to stay politically correct on some of this stuff, um, which, is, <laughs> which is a shame because we're trying to describe, you know, a, a true situation that we see that some other people might take offense to or, or interpret wrong. But the majority of the clients that we get when we get a, a married couple in here, um, it's usually the guy is the one taking care of the finances. And sometimes it's almost a fight to get both clients here because we see, you know, if we have a married couple, I see that as one client together, one entity. Yep. Um, and it's aggravating sometimes when the guy will show up without his wife 
and say, well, I know we're supposed to both come, but I make all the decisions. So, you know, I'm just going to yeah, hang out and right. I'll, I'll let her know. I, we'll right, we'll right. send them home. We won't do it. Exactly. Or, and then, then we get, well, she's going to have to sign off on this. Oh yeah. She'll just come in and sign off on whatever, you know, you know, yeah. you know and then like, we spend well, a month, yeah. a month and, and 12 hours in the office exhaustively going over details and get everything going and that sounds great and then he goes home to just get her to sign off and all of a sudden it's oh wait a minute she doesn't yeah. like this doesn't like that because she wants to know she wants yeah. to like, well, oh we're gonna move and right our entire life savings yeah. you know and, and rearrange it and plan for retirement and you didn't think to involve me uh i kind of want to know about it right and then <laughs> then they show back at the office kind of like head hung a little low by the husband and like oh, i need you to explain this to her please you know like <laughs> Which should have been done in the first place. So exactly, we, I, I can I can honestly say with one exception, and I mean really one exception. Every time I have made an exception and said, "Okay, we're going to go ahead and you've you've convinced me, you've convinced me you're the decision maker, and we're going to do business together, and the wife's just going to come in and sign something," except for one time that has always gone south on us. It's always backfired. It's never worked out, and we just we just won't do it. And I've had clients get angry and leave and not come back because they show up without their wife, and I tell them, "Hey, there's only half of you here." So let me know when your wife can come in. Well, she's busy. She's a teacher. Or she's you know she works for a dentist. Or it doesn't matter. It's like what does she do when she has to go get a doctor's appointment or get the oil changed on a car? It's like people can take time off. So yeah. we're we've got a hard line in the sand. Both spouses attend all meetings, um, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. So we can keep people engaged. People yeah. underestimate how how much of a, a big life changing emotional uh, process this is, and and so it's not it's not just going down to the bank to get a, a small loan or, or buying a buying a new vehicle or, you know, what, whatever other kind of routine financial uh, things you, you go out and do, maybe as the, the owner of the finances of the household. But when it comes to this, it's, it's really every party engaged. It is incredibly disrespectful to the wife or in the rare circumstances where we get the wife coming in saying the man doesn't do anything, but mm -hmm. to whichever spouse to just say, I'm here to make the decisions and my spouse will just go along with it. You're talking about literally the rest of your life and things that could have a very significant impact on them if something goes wrong and they don't understand it. So I don't want to harp on that, but our main reason for getting them both in is so that everybody understands what we're doing, everybody's prepared for it, and then when the inevitable comes, and I'm sitting down with just one of them because somebody got hit by a bus, the last person understands what we're doing. It's not new, we're not right. trying to, to Whichever one it is, right? Yeah, whichever one it we're is. So it's go. like you're already grieving the loss of a spouse. I want to just sit down and say, okay, we're gonna grieve a little bit, and now here's, here's plan B that we were already prepared for, and let's engage and go with it realizing that the flow can certainly work both directions right it could be the the woman who's making most of the decisions or the man or it could be those situations where they are are pretty equal in the decision making process but it does seem like usually one's going to kind of take charge in that part of the family's uh, responsibilities but there is no denying the statistics that uh, women typically live longer than men and it seems like these days we're seeing more and more women widowed and now facing some challenges from a retirement planning standpoint solo or on their own at that point is that something that you guys are seeing what what kinds of challenges do they hit when they run into those situations well they they don't with us because we won't allow it to happen but <laughs> i have but you know we do have occasionally a, a widow will come in yeah new, a new client right yeah, yeah. A new client comes in they've got you know anywhere from five hundred thousand to three million dollars the other spouse whether it be a wife or a husband had been in charge of the finances and just taken it upon themselves to line everything out the way they saw fit, and now all of a sudden they're gone, and the, the surviving spouse has no clue what's going on. Exactly, yeah, you might, I mean, we had somebody in here uh, 
just recently kind of in this situation. And fortunately for her, there's plenty on the table, but unfortunately for her, she didn't understand it and, and more importantly, wasn't prepared to manage it, right? The husband had been managing, doing a lot of self-managing and, and she came in kind of scared. I don't know where I'm positioned. I don't know what to expect. Am I exposed to too much risk? Where's my income going to come from? All these questions go off and those aren't things you should be asking yourself that far down the road, certainly not at a point where you're, you're, you're also grieving as well. So that's a, a situation where we, we enjoy putting a plan together that, that makes sense and can kind of answer all those questions and get everything back in order. So we were able to help her out and, and we had a positive end result. But not everyone's so fortunate. They can get farther down the road, not understand what's going on, and maybe it'd be too far. It went too far out of control before they, they kind of got their house in order, so to speak. And it can go south. And there's, you know, there's a whole other ripple effect on that. You have a widow who really doesn't know what's going on. She's got a couple million dollars and she's vulnerable. She's grieving. She already doesn't understand what's going on. God forbid a, you know, an advisor that has uh, not her best interest in mind gets a hold of her. Um, it's easy to manipulate somebody like that and turn around and make a plan that makes the most sense for the advisor from a commission standpoint right. than for the, the client. It's so many different little challenging aspects that kind of come along with that dynamic. And I'm sure it also has a big impact in how the plan gets put together. I mean, I assume if you've got, let's say, uh, let's say the male, we'll just kind of stick with what's, what's typically seen, comes in and starts going through that planning process solo. Well, they may be totally forgetting that they are going to pass away earlier and that they need to be planning beyond. I mean, this could have down the line implications of like, you know, pension uh, selections, you know, the spousal benefits, how you select Social Security, how the income plan gets developed. I mean, this it's a trickle effect when you start planning for that 30 year retirement, especially when you start thinking about the other person in the equation the other spouse than if you were just kind of planning solo. And sometimes you don't get those things uncovered if it's just one person across from you instead of both. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, sometimes we get the, the, the male spouses who, who do have those pensions sometimes forget that there will come a day where perhaps they're gone and the spouse is still around. So when we're selecting those pension options, they've already taken it, you know, zero percent survivorship. Right. And they're not thinking way down the line to what is what kind of position does that leave her in? So it's really important part of our planning process to look down at, at both of those scenarios. What happens if it's just him? What happens if it's just her? And make sure if it's just her and we're losing those pensions or the Social Security is going to be dropping, right, um, that, that we plan for that and we set her up for success in that scenario. And it's not just something that we, oh, uh, she comes in and lost the husband. Now we got to figure out what to do. That, that doesn't happen here. Um, but it certainly happens to those who, who don't have a plan. But we talk all the time here on the show about the great uh, events that you guys have, the dinner events where people can come and learn about financial and retirement planning. I'm going to guess, Jess and Jonathan, that if somebody wants to come to one of those events that we talk about here on the show, they should bring the significant other. Would that be a great starting point here? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Please, please, yes. Both come out and join us. Uh, it's certainly uh, fun for all. I can, you know, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that just one spouse has shown up to the actual event. But I think that probably 80% of the time we turn them away. Tell them to come back with their spouse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's one thing, you know, it, it's a free dinner, if nothing else, right? So even if you're the disinterested spouse in this one, come check us out. I promise you, we'll entertain you. Yeah, we'll make get, it, we'll make it nice fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not that, it's not that difficult. So you've heard us talk about the importance of having both spouses involved in the entire planning process from beginning to end. So what I would propose to you is let's get started. Come on out to one of our dinner and discussion seminars. We're going to talk about retirement planning and how we can make sure that no matter who leaves first, the other spouse is completely set up. 
And Walter will tell you how to get signed up to come see us. So we hope to see you soon. It's very easy to do. All you have to do is go to ncwealth.com. That's it. Go to ncwealth.com from your smartphone or computer, and you can sign up for one of those upcoming dinner and discussion seminars. They're on the site. We have a list of all the upcoming events for you to check out, so you can find a date that's convenient for you and a location as well. ncwealth.com. Come have dinner and a great discussion about financial and retirement planning with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management. If you prefer to call or, or text us to reserve your spot at an upcoming dinner event as well you can do that at 512-492-3800 again 512 area code call or text 492-3800 is the number 512-492-3800 you'll get to meet jess and jonathan and the team at noble capital they'll help show you some of the great things that you should be thinking about when it comes to retirement planning how to be well prepared for your financial future so that you can not only get to retirement but all the way through it as well. Learn about some of the mistakes that other people have made throughout their retirement planning process and how you can avoid making those mistakes. It all happens at a dinner and discussion seminar coming up soon in an area near you. If you're listening to our voices today, there is an event in the Austin area that'll be convenient for you to come by and check out. So again, come have a free dinner and discuss some retirement planning uh, items and topics with us at ncwealth.com to sign up. That's ncwealth.com. You're tuned into the Noble Capital Radio Hour with Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkler. I'm Walter Storholt, and there's more on the way. When you reflect on your life, what would you like to see as your fondest memories? Summers at your favorite vacation spot? Ice cream with the grandkids after their first t-ball game? Maybe it was your great adventure across the world. Of course, those memories are still in the future, although they're not as far away as you might think. Be sure you have a financial plan to make them happen. Don't find yourself worrying while enjoying that ice cream. Peace of mind is attainable in your retirement. With the proper planning, you can secure a meaningful retirement. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800 or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. If you've got any questions on your mind that you need answering, don't hesitate to reach out to the team. You can dial 512-492-3800 to get in touch. That's 512 492 3800. A live representative will answer your question and get you set up for a time to meet with Jess, Jonathan, and the team. You can also visit us online for more information at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. On today's show, we're talking about emotional decision making. You know, I think most people probably think that they make decisions based on logic and facts, but in truth, uh, emotions usually rule the day or at least play some vital role in the decision-making process for all of us. So, Jess and Jonathan, I'm just curious to just kind of start this conversation out. What types of emotions do you find are likely to drive financial decisions for people? Well, definitely fear, fear of change being fear. the biggest one. Absolutely, um, you fear know, the, of change, the standing yeah. joke around here is that I'm not a financial advisor; I'm a therapist. Yes, so, <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can lead them to water, but you know, we'll sit down and and show somebody a plan that makes perfect sense. The math adds up; they're completely fine for the rest of their life, no matter how long they live. Um, but it's going to take some reallocation from what they're used to. You know, they're coming in with a 30 to 40, maybe 45-year career span that to them, investment means, you know, the market, and it's always liquid. 
So they come in and they say, hey, I've, you know, I've been through 2000, I've been through 2008, I'm not going to go through that again, the market's starting to top off, get me out of this and, and help me out. So we set them up with something perfect, we go through three or four different appointments, and when it's time to do business, I get this, you know, total look of shock, oh my God, that's a lot of money to move, you want to move a million and a half over? I'm like, well, yeah, that's what you said when you came in. Um, and it's basically fear of liquidity. People say, you know, I, I could go out and buy something for a million dollars. I'm not going to, but right now I could if I wanted to. So what you're doing here makes that a little bit more difficult. And so I turn it back around and say, okay, what what are you going to buy for a million bucks? Are you going to spend a hundred grand a day? Well, no, of course. Um, so I have to kind of bring them back down off the ledge and, and explain to them that we're looking out for the rest of their life and everything they've been working for for the past 30 or 40 years to build this up. Now it's time to actually do with it what they intended to do. And they don't need you know to have a million dollars of liquid tomorrow. Yes, that, that fear of change is certainly the driving factor. I mean, I, I myself, I'm not a lover of change, so I can, I can certainly sympathize with, with the clients that come through and, and kind of have that, that emotional uh, fear. But it's, it's something that you just kind of have to take hold of and, and understand the, you know, the purpose of, of why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing. It's, it's to put us in a better position. And, and sometimes that little leap of faith is what's needed uh, to kind of move things forward and really be in a better place uh, emotionally as well as financially. Um, once you get to the other side and you have that confidence in retirement, it's huge. So those are the two extremes we really see is, you know, kind of before becoming a client and then after becoming a client, right? You know, it's, uh, it's that fear beforehand. Can I retire? What does it look like? Do I have enough money? It doesn't matter how much you have, how much money you know, does, is it going to take? And then the other side, which is, this is great. I'm so happy I did this. Um, you know, you're not worrying about when, where's that next paycheck is coming from because it's taken care of. Fear has to be the most dominant thing because it's not just one thing to be afraid of. People can be afraid of so many different things when it comes to retirement, whether it be the market or losing a loved one before before you pass or how to take care of the, the next generation. Is everything in line from an estate planning standpoint? Is my money going to last as long as I do? All these different things can kind of cause that fear, it seems like. No wonder it's sort of the number one driver of financial decision making. So when you have that fear, you guys are analyzing this as people come in and you're listening to them playing that, you know, psychoanalysis role. Uh, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make because of emotional decision making? Where does it take us down the wrong path? Well, overall, I think we did a pretty good job of walking people through it. Our appointment process is not quick. If you, if you meet a financial advisor within an hour or two of meeting you, if he's uh, telling you what to do with the rest of your life, you probably should excuse yourself. He doesn't know you well enough. So we'll do anywhere from three to four appointments, two to three hours a piece, and really dig down in there and, and help people understand that we're, we're understanding what they're trying to do. So our, our proposal to them is based on their actual needs. Um, but the biggest mistake I see is the, is the wait. You know, well, that sounds pretty good. Let us think about it. We want to wait a while. Like, yes. well, what do you want to wait for? You're not getting younger, you're getting older. Well, right. we just want to wait and think about it. And I've seen people come in and do that, and things have changed in that wait period, whether it's you know annuity rates or they get older, so life insurance policies don't work as well for them, or even our own funds dropping the rates down on that. So the environment that they're in when they come in is not always going to be the environment that they're in when they decide to come back. Um, the other one is market timing. You know, Everything's good to go, and they want to wait, and all of a sudden the market takes a dive. And so they don't want to pull anything out of the portfolio because it's a lower price. They want to wait some, some more, and then it just kind of snowballs from there. Absolutely. Procrastination. That, that kills a lot of retirement plans, unfortunately. I think everybody's, you know, certainly succumbs to procrastination every now and then. But it's important to just, uh, when, you, when you're serious about making that, that big life change and, and setting yourself up for success in retirement, to, 
don't push that one off. Go ahead and, and do what you need to do to, to put yourself in a good position. And you know, it's not always the client's emotions that uh, get in there and screw up the process. Sometimes it's the existing advisor's emotions. Absolutely. So we'll sit down with somebody that's been at, I'm not going to mention any names, at a big box um, advisor firm for a while. And they've gotten another advisor. And he, he may have done okay or maybe not so okay in the market, but they've, they've got an emotional tie to him. So we start looking at reallocating things to things that make more sense for their retirement. Um, we'll get on the phone and we'll do some liquidation and then they get out to the car and their cell phone starts blowing up and their existing advisor says, okay, what are you doing? And they'll say, well, you know, we met with these guys over here and we're going to make this change and that change. And that advisor is more concerned about losing his AUM book than he is about the client's well-being. And oftentimes we'll convince them that the market is the absolute best place to be while you're in retirement. And they'll you know, spout all kinds of quotes and uh, projections on the market. And sometimes we lose some people like that. That's really disheartening. Absolutely. I mean, we had a client uh, or almost client yeah. very similar to that who came in and, you know, the first words out of the mouth are just, I'm afraid of the market. I don't like where I'm currently positioned. I want security in retirement. I don't have to worry about this. I want somebody else to do this, you know, manage this for me. And, you know, I want to I want to go live my happy retirement. And, you know, what what do we do better than that? Right. I mean, that's exactly what we love to do. So we put together a great plan uh, that we're confident in that the client potential client here likes. And we get down the road, we're, we're moving money, and, and out of the blue, we get the, the call from the advisor who essentially you know, turned turn this guy around um, and, and had him walk straight out our door, and, and that was it. You know, Essentially convinced him to keep the money in the market, which is the exact opposite um, you know, position that, that he wanted to be in when he came here because he didn't want to lose that money uh, potentially you know, to the market. So yeah. it's certainly frustrating. And just so you know, as a listener, you know, we're not – if you want to keep it in the market, we can manage that for you, too. It's Absolutely. not so much about getting out of the market. It's just when somebody comes in and says, I don't want to be in the market. I don't want my income to be on the roller coaster. Help me out. Yeah. Um, that emotional tie to somebody they've known for a while um, can paint a really rose-colored glass. Uh, right. you know, look through rose-colored glasses, and it really has nothing to do with the client. It's all about the advisor. Right, right. And he's speaking to that that core piece of, of, of income that's coming in the door, the mailbox money that should be there. Um, he was wanting that secure, just like Social Security. And uh, it just it wasn't happening for him where he was at, and he walked right back to it. So that can certainly be frustrating on our end, and we do our best to try to help people see through that and be objective as possible because you know that, that's our job to put people in the best position that we possibly can and, and accommodate their needs so when we see it go the other direction it's, it's certainly uh, kind of saddening but we do what we can and keep moving on we're talking with jess hamill jonathan berklin fantastic team at noble capital here on the noble capital radio hour thanks for joining us on today's show we're talking about emotional decision making guys i feel like we're bashing emotions here and the truth <laughs> the truth is we're not robots right not yet we'll all be robots one of these days it seems but uh, we're not <laughs> right. there yet are there times when it's appropriate when it's okay to let emotions factor into our financial decisions. Yeah, I mean, the emotions need to not conflict reality and, and to some degree mirror logic. Um, you know, a lot of times what we'll get is, not to be sexist, but I mean, the typical relationship we see, at least at this demographic, is usually the man has taken care of the finances, not always, obviously, but usually the man taking care of the finances and sometimes the wife has no clue about what's going on. So she's coming in very emotionally. She just wants somebody to make her feel secure and let her know it's going to be okay. Um, so when we can provide that for her and get her all calmed down, she's happy, he's happy, everybody's happy, and then we put a plan together that works for both of them. Oftentimes it's, it's just um, saying things in a simpler way that, that people can understand. 
that really that, that calms them down and, and, and lets them uh, put the plan into motion that, that makes them successful in retirement. So I think that the key part to it in terms of, of speaking about emotions is just wanting to retire with, with confidence um, that, that you can spend those dollars. You know, and that's that's really what we love to do is give people that confidence, you know, that, yes, I can go out and, and buy that thing and, you know, purchase that object or whatever, um, because I know I have that money coming in, just like my plan says. I mean, that's that's really the emotion that we're shooting for uh, to see across the table is, is really that confidence in retirement to go out and just just retire. Just do it. Makes sense. All right. Uh, last but not least, guys, maybe give us an example of a time you've helped somebody construct a solid plan that worked for them mathematically, but then also kind of met or solved some of these emotional needs. Can you drive that home for us? Yeah, I mean, it ties back into what I was just talking about before. And I, I was kind of I was discussing a specific client um, that, that came in. You know, the guy had done a, a pretty good job with their portfolio over the years. I mean, he, he took a hit in 2000 and 2008. He was kind of trying to be a cowboy and was still riding that at this point. I think he was in his eh, you know, early to mid-60s. They were you know, definitely on the back nine, but she was terrified. She had already been through a couple of downturns. She's watching the financial uh, stuff on TV and hearing, you know, oh, my God, the market's going to crack. It's going to crash, and she has no clue what they've got. So what she wanted was to feel good. That was it. She wanted somebody to tell her that they were going to be okay. That they had a great portfolio. If all they had done is just spin down and taken out of the market and stuck in a barrel, they would have been totally fine. Um, but she didn't understand that. So we got it all out on the table, showed her you know, that she was going to be okay, put together a plan with a lot of guaranteed and very predictable income. And in the end, I mean, she was hugging me, and she actually was tearing up a little bit and thanking me for making her feel good about it. And in the end, they still had quite a bit of money left in the market that they didn't really need to rely on for income. So it was a, it was a win-win for everybody. So Jess and Jonathan, I mean, over the last couple of minutes, we've covered some really important topics when it comes to financial and retirement planning. These are some of the things I know that you discuss at your dinner events that happen here throughout the Austin area. Can you give us a little bit of an expectation, what we should be ready for if we want to come and attend one of these events? Sure, of course. So, you know, everybody gets these invitations in the mail. Um, a lot of you have gone to several of the seminars from um, other people that dabble in the same business as us. What I can tell you is that what you're going to hear at our seminar is going to be fairly different from what you're used to hearing elsewhere. We've got a couple of topics that other people don't even have the ability to touch on. But for the most part, come out, enjoy a nice dinner. Listen to us tell you some alternatives to the way that you typically think of retiring. And if the things that we point out to you make sense, then you can make an appointment to come in and sit down with me. It's a no obligation appointment. It's about an hour. And I'm just going to give you a second opinion on what it is that you're doing. A lot of people don't even have a plan, so we're going to show you the way we want to do it. And if you like it, then we can move forward. If not, then we'll shake hands, and hopefully I've met a new friend. If you want to sign up for one of these upcoming events, uh, again, a free dinner event here in the Austin area, you can find the list of events online at ncwealth.com. You can view the events and then even register for them right there on the site, ncwealth.com is your place to go. You can also call or text your interest, and uh, we'll respond right back to you. 512-492-3800 is the number. That's 512-492-3800 if you'd like to attend an upcoming event. Learn a little bit more about Noble Capital Wealth Management. Learn the seven common mistakes that retirees and pre-retirees make and how to avoid them. So much great information. We'll pack it into a great night and a great meal along the way as well ncwealth.com or call or text 512-492-3800 to reserve your spot today. And that's all the time that we have for on this week's show. For Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, I'm Walter Storholt. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time back here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour.
All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest and offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value, and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial investment and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble Capital.